Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Eight battleships were sunk, uh, six major airfields were destroyed, but the worst of it was that there were 2,400 American servicemen who lost their lives that morning. This attack took place at 7.50 a.m., this surprise attack. The only issue was is that it wasn't really a surprise. In fact, uh, earlier that morning, uh, 137 miles away at 7 a.m., uh, there were two soldiers watching a radar in the South Pacific, and they saw their screen begin to fill up with little dots. And it just continued, and more and more and more dots. And so they followed, these two soldiers followed protocol. They went to the lieutenant who was on duty. He was the only uh, officer on duty because it was a Sunday. He was a young lieutenant. And they said to him, you need to come look at our screens. There are dots all over our screens. And the young lieutenant uh, came to the radar, looked at the screen, saw all the dots, and he made this assumption. He thought they were planes from California. And so this was his response to these two soldiers. He looked at them, and without another thought, he made this statement. He said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And 50 minutes later, the devastation occurred. The one moment that this young lieutenant, the most important moment of his military life, and he missed it because he said, don't worry about it. Our world tries to convince us that we begin to live real life when we are, listen to this statement, carefree. When we are carefree, then we will know that we are experiencing real life. And so we, uh, on the radio, you turn on the radio and the songs tend to be stuff like, don't worry, be happy. Don't have a care. Another one that came to mind was this one, uh, don't worry about a thing. Ever heard that little catchy tune, don't worry about a thing? It's this concept that if we don't have any cares in life, then we would truly be experiencing what is real life. So one of the symptoms of the disease that I want to talk to you about this morning is certainly that we get caught off guard. And we're not diligent and we're not paying attention. And like the young lieutenant, we fall in we fall to the uh, attacks of the enemy simply because we're not on guard. But there are some other uh, issues with the disease that I want to talk to you about this morning as we talk about religiously transmitted disease. Now, I told you last week, this is a family talk. So if you're visiting with us, we, enjoy, we, we invite you to join us and listen in. But you're, you're hearing like family secrets this morning, all right? We're talking about uh, religiously transmitted diseases that we see uh, in our own lives, and we're trying to expose them, and, we're, and I'll explain why here in just a moment. But I want you to turn with me because Jesus deals with the disease that we want to talk about this morning. It's found in Luke chapter 11, um, in Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 37. Now, I will tell you that uh, the truth is, is that we could read this passage of Scripture right here, and there is enough in this one passage that we could probably stay in it for about a year, and we would be beat up and miserable because Jesus just like, he lays it down on the Pharisees in this passage. So I, I'm just going to touch one little passage, one little sentence out of it, and then we're going to move on next week because we can't stay here because you wouldn't ever want to come back, all right? But, but, but Jesus had this uh, tendency to be very blunt, right? Okay, you still awake? He, 
Okay, so listen to what he says. Luke chapter 11, verse 37 through 46. When he had finished that talk, a Pharisee asked him to dinner, and he entered his house, and he sat right down at the table. And the Pharisee was shocked and somewhat offended when he saw that Jesus didn't wash up before the meal. I mean, he's a guy. What do you think he's going to do? Go wash it. And that's a different story. But uh, So he didn't wash up before the meal. But the master said to him, I know you Pharisees burnish the surface of your cups and plates so they sparkle in the sun. But I also know that your insides are maggoty with greed and secret evil. <laughs> Jesus is blunt. Stupid Pharisees. Didn't the one who made the outside also make the inside? Turn both your pockets and your hearts inside out and give generously to the poor. Then your lives will be clean, not just your dishes and your hands. I've had it with you. You're hopeless. You, you Pharisees, you're frauds. You keep meticulous account books, tithing on every nickel and dime you get, but manage to find loopholes for getting around the basic matters of justice and God's love. Careful bookkeeping is commendable, but the m basics are required. You're hopeless. Second time he said it, you, you Pharisees, you're frauds. You're sitting at the head table at the church dinners, love preening yourselves in the radiance of public flatterly. You're frauds. Just like unmarked graves, people walk over that nice grassy surface, never suspecting the rot and the corruption that is six feet under. Now, can you imagine sitting at the dinner table and being told all that? So they got to respond, right? One of, the, one of the religious scholars spoke up and he said, Teacher, do you realize <laughs> that in saying these things you're insulting us? You think? And Jesus said, listen to this, Jesus is blunt, man. Jesus said, yes, and I can be even more explicit. I haven't been blunt enough. I haven't been vicious enough. You're hopeless for the third time. You religion scholars, you, this is the statement right here. You load people down with rules and regulations, nearly breaking their backs, but you never lift even a finger to help. Come on. Wow. All right, should I just dismiss now and let us go, like, dress our wounds? Because, I mean, that's, he's talking to, like, church folk. Right, So, so here, here's the reality this morning. Jesus looks at these Pharisees, and in verse 46, he makes this statement. You load people down with rules and regulations, nearly breaking their backs, but you never lift even a finger to help. In that passage of Scripture, Jesus, like a physician, is diagnosing disease. How many of you recognize this morning that in order for us to become whole, for us to become well, for us to be healthy, you need somebody in your life that has the ability to examine you and to diagnose your needs. That's why we go to the doctor, right? I don't go to the doctor and tell, I, I might try, I may think I know what's wrong. I may have already looked it up on the website and scared myself to death. But the truth is I want to go to a physician and say, would you please diagnose me and give me an accurate description of what is happening in my life, right? That is exactly what Jesus does. He diagnoses the disease. So... In a recent staff meeting, I looked at our pastoral team, and I said, what I would like for you to do this, this, in this meeting is I want us just to take a few moments, and I want you to diagnose our body. Boy, it's quiet up in here this morning. Y'all knows what's coming. You've already read the title title right I, I i looked at him and said it's not it's not uh, a, a good idea for me to stand up here and preach about uh religiously transmitted diseases that we don't have because that doesn't help us so would you please just as, as you you pray and you think about 
our body, would you please help me diagnose the diseases that we have? And this is what we came back with. That we have the same disease that Jesus recognized in the Pharisees of his day. And I'm calling it apathy angina. And you go, well, what in the world does that mean? Let me, let me help you. Angina is a heart condition, and it is a type of chest pain caused by reduced blood flow. So in other words, if you have angina, what, what that means is your heart is not working correctly. Your heart does not function in the manner that it is intended to function. So your heart isn't doing its job correctly. And Jesus points out that one of the indications of the disease that he saw in the Pharisees and that we see in this body is this. Our hearts don't work correctly. Our hearts are not moved. Our hearts aren't broken. There are people going under and while we are going, since we are going over, we don't even pay attention to the fact that they're going under simply because we've got our victory and our freedom. We fail to recognize that there are people all around us that should cause our heart to be moved and broken and yet we are, we are diseased. Uh, okay, so I think it's ironic in a bad way. There are some ironics that are kind of cool. This one's bad. All right. I think it is ironic that when you begin to talk about religiously transmitted diseases that a place called Passion Church that the pastoral staff can identify that one of the diseases that we tend to struggle with is apathy. You recognize that 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 the the, the, that the concept of apathy is a, a total antithesis, just the opposite of what our name is. Our name is passion. Our name is passion. Our name is passion. But but I need you to understand this morning. I just need to remind you that it's not just our name. It's our mandate. It's who we are. What that means then is that we should be the first to respond. We should be the first to 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 the scene. We should be the first that are moved. So so. It's ironic that passion struggles with apathy. What Jesus corrected that day is perhaps what we need him to correct in us because he reveals that religious folks have this tendency. Let me, let me explain why he, why he identifies apathy in the Pharisees of his day. The reason that he identifies it is because he recognizes that religious people have a tendency that what happens is, is this. They, 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 they gain freedom. They gain life. They experience breakthrough. They experience forgiveness. They experience mercy. They experience grace. And then they have a tendency to not only settle for that level of living and settle for staying there, they don't grow, they don't stay fresh, they don't increase in the relationship, they just enjoy the benefits they've already experienced, and worse, here's the worst part, and they restrict other people or keep other people from experiencing the life that they've experienced. They keep it to themselves. We, we become comfortable and we fall asleep, and we show up at a place that is built around and on fire, and we become cold as ice because our hearts don't work the way they should. So we, we take on this, this, this 
mode of operation, we start to think like this, even, even though we don't mean to, we do. Here's how we begin to think. My needs have been met. So just bring me in here for an hour. Let me check it off of my list because this is what religious folks do. They come to church on Sunday morning. Get me out so I can check it off because my needs have been met and forget the rest of the world. It's quiet up in here. Okay, so why do we become apathetic? Why, why do we suffer from this disease? I, just a couple things I want to mention to you this morning that I think uh, are very large part of why this happens. Number one is this. We have forgotten what it's like to carry the load of being lost. Did you hear what I just said? We have forgotten what it is like to carry the load of being lost. We don't even remember, many of us don't even remember what it feels like to not have a current relationship with God. Some of us don't remember. We've been in this so long that now we, we become so satisfied in our relationship with him that we no longer remember and, and we forget what it's like to wake up and, and, and have this fear in the gnawing. In the, I can try to cover it up with so many things, but in the back of my own mind, I recognize that I'm lost and I'm going to hell and I have no hope. We have forgotten what that feels like. We've forgotten what it's like to carry the load of the fact that we're far from God, that we have no access to God, that there's no relationship, that there's no present help, that there's no strong tower, that there's no defender, that there's no peace, that there's no one thinking about us, that, that we, we've forgotten what it feels like to have no hope. Some of us act like we've always been saved, that we've always been right with God. And so we watch lost people walk all around us and we have no empathy and we have no passion towards them because we have forgotten what it's like to carry the load of being lost. Can I tell you the antidote? The antidote for that is to load up with compassion. As we live our life, we need to walk around and recognize and look out on people with compassion and recognize this fact and come to, to grips with this fact. If they don't get what we have, they will die and they will bust hell wide open and they will be lost for eternity in a devil's hell that was never intended for them. And it is our responsibility to watch around us and see people that are lost and do something about it. But like Jesus said, many of us won't even lift a finger to help. In fact, we'll do this. We'll say, hey, could you put five people on the card? And I ain't messing with that. That's dumb. We want you to hold up movers cards every week and pray for the 10 people that we've written down that don't know Jesus. We won't even participate in that because we're so apathetic. I'm saved. My wife is saved. My kids are saved. My aunts and uncles are saved. So forget everybody else. And our heart doesn't work right. Second, we've forgotten what it's like to carry the load of being unworthy. Jesus was, was dealing with people that thought they were worthy. The Pharisees thought because they washed their dishes and washed their hands and did religious acts that made them worthy for the presence of God. So they thought they were better than everybody else. 
And so our dilemma is this, is we become apathetic when we begin to believe that we've earned this or we deserve this. We become apathetic when we lose an attitude of gratitude where we recognize that it is only by the grace and only by the mercy and only by the kindness of God that we even have access to this relationship with him. Can I just remind you this morning that, that scripture teaches us that our righteousness, our goodness, our worthiness is like filthy rags. We cannot earn our way into the goodness and the kind. I, I can't get no help in this morning. I don't know what y'all are asleep on me this morning. Listen, we are not good enough. I don't care how perfect you think you are. We are unworthy. We only gain access by the gift of what Jesus did on the cross. But when we get saved, we have this tendency to think that we did something. We didn't do nothing. Not by works, lest any man should boast, but by the grace of God and God alone. And so too many of us act like we deserve salvation. We act like we deserve favor. We act like we deserve entrance. And so we have forgotten what, we have forgotten what it feels like. To, 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 to see and recognize that you're untouchable and that you're, un, you're unapproachable and that you're, and, and in many cases, people think they're unforgivable. And we've forgotten what that feels like. Why? Because our heart doesn't work. I, I just want to tell you this morning that the antidote is to load up with gratitude. We need to come back to this place where we walk, when we, when we gather in places like this, we should be the most grateful people on the planet because we recognize I don't even deserve to be in his presence. I don't deserve entrance. I don't even deserve the right to worship him. I don't deserve to have access to his word. I don't, have, I don't deserve to have access to his grace. But he's been so good. He's been better to me than I deserve. Uh, too many of us are so infected with this apathy angina that we are no longer moved by anything. Uh, there was a sociologist named Paul uh, uh, Lazarfeld, and he recognized this condition in people, and he makes up a term. I think it's, a, I think it's necessary for us to hear this. He, he comes up with this term to describe what he's talking about. It's a condition he made up called narcoticizing dysfunction. That's a mouthful, isn't it? Narcoticizing dysfunction. You know what? He, what here's, here's, here's why he says this. He says, we are as we are exposed to more and more information, we subconsciously mistake knowing about a problem for doing something about it. We become concerned and informed, but we're not active. That, that ain't scripture, but that's powerful. The more we, we hear about an issue and, and, and situation, we become so informed about it that we begin to think in our own subconscious mind that we have actually done something about it just because we know about it. So can I just give you some information this morning and see if maybe, maybe if he's right? Do, do you know that right now 82.3% of Americans do not attend church? 82.3% of Americans do not attend church. The issue is not that you know that. The issue is this. Does it move you? Does it help you? Does it cause anything to happen in your life? How about this? Did you know that drug overdoses now kill more Americans than motor vehicle accidents? On average, two people a day die of an overdose from drugs. 
the number of fatal drug overdoses in Oklahoma more than doubled in the last 10 years. Did you know that Oklahoma's rate of prescription painkiller abuse in 2012 was the highest in the entire nation? Did did you know that 326,000 Oklahomans 12 years old and above are totally dependent or abuse alcohol or illicit drugs and that Oklahoma ranks third nationally for the percentage of alcohol consumed by underage youth? Did you know that underage drinkers account for nearly 17% of all the alcohol consumption in the state of Oklahoma? Now, some of you know that. That's not the issue. The issue is not do you know about it, but does it move you? At all. As long as it's not my kid. Did you know that in 2018 there was a study that that revealed that almost half of Americans feel lonely? With people all around them and with access on their phone and access on their iPad and access on their watch and constant social media and interaction, nearly half of Americans feel lonely. But the issue is not whether you know it. The issue is, does it move you? Did you know that in Oklahoma, 635,740 people are struggling with hunger? And of them, 218,770 are children. Does that move you? If none of this moves you, then it is an indication that we have a religiously transmitted disease called apathy angina where we know something is wrong, but our heart doesn't function, and what breaks his heart has no bearing on what breaks our heart. Maybe I didn't mention the cause that that, that hits you. Uh, I, could, I could talk about a number of causes, like suicide. I could talk about abortion. I, I, could talk, I could talk about lack of education. I could talk about poverty. I could talk, maybe I didn't mention the one that, 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 that pushes your button, but is there something that pushes your button? Anything that causes more than just go, well, I know about that. And then we assume we've done something about it. I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you to load up. I want to challenge you to load up with a cause. Is there not a cause? Isn't there something that you could see and respond to and shake off the apathy of your life and just because your life is going exactly the way you planned it and just because all of your bills are being paid and just because your kids are acting okay and just because you have three square meals a day and just because you feel like everything is turning up roses, is there not a cause that you can see but do more than just get information about that would move you? And I just want to challenge you this morning to load up. In fact, I'll, I'll say it like this. If you don't know what your cause is, borrow one. Just do something. And then maybe you discover it doesn't really move you. But just borrow one. Find something that you can do. Get up under the load of remembering what it's like not to have enough. 
not to be enough, not to have any friends, not to have anybody that cares, not to have the meals. Get up under a load of a cause because you've got to have a cause. Because if you don't have a cause, listen, if you don't catch anything else, catch this. If you don't have a cause, then you won't have a care. I think you missed it. I'm going to say it again. If you don't have a cause, then you will not have a care. And Jesus looks at the religious people of his day, the passion church members of his day, and he says to them, the problem is, is that you're loading people down with all this rules and regulations. But here's the real problem. You see people in need, and you won't even lift a finger to help. I want to look at you this morning, Passion, and say, you can look all around us, and although we're trying some things, and we're doing our best on some things, the truth is, is that too many of us sit in here, and we're given an offering plate, and we go, well, I did my bit. That's information. That didn't move you. When are you going to get your own hands dirty? When are you going to get up and get out of this comfortable seat, and go out into the lost, and say, hey, will you come to church with me in Easter? Can I get you a meal? Can I love on you a little bit? Can I share the love of Christ? Is there anything that moves us? moves us, challenges us, causes us to wake up and say, I've, I'm, I'm where I'm at by the grace of God. And if it was, oh, we used to quote this all the time, there I go but by the grace of God. If it was, but now we say it as if that, that's a permission for us not to have to respond. No, when we look at somebody and we say, but by the grace of God, there I am, we go, wait a minute, I've experienced the grace of God. I should respond to them and go, hey, you don't have to live like this. You don't have to experience this. You don't have to go through life like this. There's hope. There's a future. What moves you? And so I just want to challenge you this morning to load back up, load back up, load back up with an understanding of what it feels like to be lost. Load back up, load back up with compassion, load back up with an understanding of what it feels like to be unworthy and to feel like nobody can reach you, and load back up with gratitude. I want to challenge you this morning, load back up with a cause, find a cause that moves your heart so that you can shake off apathy, apathy, apathy. The religious of people of his day were diseased. I read a statement by a doctor, and I'll be done. I read this statement by this doctor, and it, it, it shook me to my core. She said this. She said, never in my memory have so many people been so blasé about a, a disease that kills so many. This is what she said. So many have a devastating lack of awareness. And don't believe that heart disease can really affect them. Did you hear what she just said? They have an, a total lack of awareness, and they don't believe that heart disease can affect them. Now, she's talking in the natural. I think Jesus would look at us and go, some, some of us are so unaware, and we don't really think that we could have heart disease. I want to tell you this morning that the pastoral staff looked in and said, you know what? This group of people, not everybody, but one of the indications is that in this group of people as a whole, we suffer from apathy, and we need to respond. We say, how? I don't know. Because I don't know what should move you. For some of you, it's the fact that some people don't have enough to eat, so it ought to, it ought to cause you to do more than just go, hey, we have a pantry. Why don't you go help serve in the pantry? For some of you, the cause should be this. 
I know what it's like to go through life and feel like nobody really cares about me. Nobody loves me. No, I, 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 I leave. I would leave my home. Now, this is not me. I'm talking about you. I leave my home, and my parents would never hug on me and tell me they love me before I left the house. And so I know what that feels like. And maybe what you ought to do is serve as a greeter so that when people walk onto this campus, there's people there smiling at them going, man, we're so glad you're here. Did you know there are people that go through life and nobody's ever told them they're glad they're here? In fact, they told them just the opposite. I wish you weren't here. What, what is it? It doesn't just have to be inside this. What is it out there somewhere? There's got to be a cause. There's got to be more than just you making money and just getting your kids educated and having a nice retirement and having a comfortable home. What moves you? Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would help us this morning. We need your help. We sang this morning about the cross sacrifice that you made we sang all about the provisions for healing and so it's it's not like we don't know we're blessed we have been blessed beyond belief we have been blessed beyond measure we have experienced the goodness and the kindness and the greatness of your love Jesus but God help us this morning because I feel like so many of us have tasted the goodness of your love and then we've sat down and we've become comfortable as other people struggle and our heart doesn't work correctly and we're not moved. So this morning, Father, I pray that you would shake us beyond our level of information. It's not enough that we know. I pray that you would move us back to action, that we, each one of us, would find a cause to give our life to, a way to meet meet and minister to people that are in need, it, whether it's inside the four walls of this church and the programs of this church or it's outside in our community. God, help us. Help us to become aware of those in need. Jesus, I don't want it to be said of us that all around us people were struggling under burdens, loaded down with the cares of life. And the only response we can have is we had a good worship service at Passion on Sunday. And we don't lift a finger to help. So, Father, this morning I pray that you would convict each and every one of us and cause us to move, to do something about what we see around us. I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, not even the prayer team. This is just between you and me and our Father. If you're here this morning and you say, Steve, what you're saying is a correct description of my life. I can see this in my own life. Now that you brought it to my attention, I see it. I see the fact that I'm struggling with apathy and I, I, my heart's not working correctly. I'm not moved like I should be. I've become hardened, calloused. I've become carefree. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and you can slip it right back down. That's me. Yeah, I thought so. Father, you saw the hands. Father, in your word, it says that you can turn hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. That means you can soften our hearts. 
I pray this morning that you would soften, soften our hearts to people's needs. And God, may we not be those kind of people that make the assumption that we're involved when the truth is, is all we really are is informed. And I pray that you would sit, put a sense of urgency in us, soften our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, we like to practice what we preach around here. So I want to do this. It's going to make some of you uncomfortable, but that's okay. Because it's only as we're uncomfortable that we actually grow. Would you just, right there where you're sitting, would you just turn and speak to the person next to you or maybe around you? And would you just ask them, is there anything, you say, well, why are we doing this? Because this is how we practice. This is a safe place to practice. Is there anything I can help you with today? I almost said pray because that's the religious answer. But some of us need to do more than pray. We need to intervene. Would you just turn and ask just quickly, is there anything I, that, that, well, what if they ask me for money? Give it to them. If you don't have it, come see me. We'll make it happen. Is there a care? Do you have a care that I can carry with you? Is there a care? Is there a care? been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.